0: For the people who are in the world, in Israel, and in America. If you are in the world, you are in the world, you are in the world, the in the in the the world, Good
1: evening, and thanks for coming. Tonight's class was dedicated, both to shir and the CD by our dear friends Zalman and Esther Roth. And this is in honor of Mrs. Esther Roth's father's yorzeit, which is tonight, Meshulam Zalman ben Wolf Hersh, all of may his neshama have the greatest, greatest aliyah, the greatest of heights and may he be may he draw forth tremendous blessings to you and your family for first of all gesund and health and parnasa Barachava nachas from the children and shidduchim for everyone that needs and uh, healthy children and only only wonderful 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 very very wonderful good things and um much mazal and brach and everything. Thank you so much for all that you do for us all the time. And that's what the dedications for today. Short and sweet. And now, we begin learning a new Sefer in the Torah. We begin Sefer Vayikra, which is very exciting. Sefer Vayikra is um, considered the most precious of all the svarim. Now, uh, but of course the Seyf of Ayikra, we have to get deep because if you just want to learn it on the simple level, so either you're a big scholar and you can figure out all the intricate details or uh, it's boring because you're learning all about the various different sacrifices and the laws and the whatever. But if you learn it a little mystical and get a little deeper, then wow, it's very special. So what I'd like to do today instead of or... Unique to today's class Maybe a little different than um, My regular style And regular class Is I'd like to Share with you all A passage A wonderful Illuminating Enlightening Passage of the Zohar Which is right at the opening of Seyf There is a passage of the Zohar And the reason I'm doing this is because I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago that Hashem gave me a gift this year. A new book was printed that was out of print for many years. And I fell in love with this book. And this is my book of the year. Um, It's called Biure HaZoar, Explanations of the Zoar, authored by the second Chabad Rebbe, which is really not his teachings, but his recordings of the teachings that his father gave. The Holy Tanya Rapshnir Zalman of Liyadi, as he many times would give the Mimer, the discourse that he gave on the Parsha, was an explanation on a passage of the Zohar called Biure Hazar. And week after week I'm learning them, and they're really, really fascinating. So I'd like to share with you a passage of the Zohar with, of course. The length of the class is not, uh, will, not, will not allow for the entire study of the entire passage, just a little, a little inside, a little peek into this beautiful concept and beautiful idea. And I'm going to use it as an introduction to a story, a personal story, that I'd like to share at the end of the class, which is related to a very, very special project that um, we are now embarking on at Mayon, and rather, we've embarked, we've taken on this project a long time ago, but I'm making it public now because we're coming to its conclusion. And uh, I'd like to invite everyone that's listening to the shear, either by coming here or in all the other um, ways of listening to the Shiram on the CDs, online, through our new Mayon app. I'd like to again remind everyone please download our Mayon app on iPhone or on. Um, Android, just punch in Mayon, spell it right, M-A-A-Y-O-N, and you can download the app with all the classes, uh, or the podcast, or all the other ways that anybody listens to the classes. I'd like to invite everyone to participate in this great, great project, but I'm going to keep your suspense to the end of the class, and then we're going to talk about that really interesting story, which is a story that's still in the making, but... This class actually leads into it because, okay, we'll see why in a moment. So the Zohar says like this. Um, this is Mamish, the first Zohar, and this speaks parsha. Reb Abba Pasach, I'm sorry, Rebbe Lazar Pasach. Rebbe Lazar, when he began to teach the book of Ayikra, he opened up with as follows. There's a Pasuk in, Yeshay, in Yeshaya. In Sefer, Yeshaya, it says like this that um, in Peric Zion the Pasuk reads as follows request a sign from Hashem your God and then it says read the whole Pasuk the Pasuk says hold on deepen your question or or raise raise, raise it upward. That's the Pasuk. What is the Pasuk talking about? Um, in Yeshaya, it's in Perek Zion, in Isaiah, verse 11, Pasuk Yodal. Over there it's talking about a war. The king of, I think it was the king of Aram, let me just grab the navi here, Ratzin was his name. His name was Ratzin, the king of Ratzin, the king of Aron, and Pekach, the son of remal who was the king of the ten tribes, who was not a good guy. He was an evil guy. The two of them came to fight, to wage war against the king of Yehuda, whose name was Ahaz. So the Navi is sent to Achaz in the name of God to tell him not to worry and that his enemies are going to suffer a very, very, very great defeat. And then the Navi says to him, daber um, And Hashem continues to speaking to Achaz. After he tells him all these promises, Hashem, I guess, sees that he doesn't really believe it. So Hashem sends the Navi to tell him, ask for a sign ask me for any sign and I'll prove you that I'm communicating with you I'm going to show you the sign ask your question in the depth Rashi explains it means ask of me to bring up someone from the depth someone that died ask me to resurrect the dead person maybe someone who died a hundred years ago I'll bring him back ask anybody Or or raise your Raise your your question up to heaven, which means ask for a sign in the celestial realms above. Any question, ask for a, and I'll and I'll and I'll show you. So Rashi explains because I know you don't believe. I know you're not believing, so ask for any sign. That is the pasuk. The Zohar, however, is begins Sefer VaYikra with this pasuk, and the Zohar says the Zohar reads the words Sha'allah ask Os, ask for a sign the zohar reads the word os not ask for a sign but sha'allah os ask for a letter request a letter the word os also means a letter ask me for a letter and i will give you a letter what does it mean ask me like one of that letters of the aleph base ask me for a letter and the zohar goes into a fascinating discussion about the letters of the torah about how powerful the letters of the Torah is. And it's a whole introduction to the book of Vayikra, talking about the greatness of the letters of the Torah. Now, I don't know what's the connection to actual story, mitzvah of Parshas Vayikra. I really don't know. It's possible that the connection, because even though the Zohar does make mention of something that's mentioned in the end of B'kude, the Zohar quotes it, but it's hard to understand what's its connection to Vayikra. Possibly, because the letters of the Torah, we could have discussed that in the beginning of Beresha. Why wait till the book of Vayikra? It could be because the Zohar is, notices the little aleph. In the first words of Vayikra, there's a little aleph. And there is a mention over here in this discussion about the various sizes of letters that there are. We know that there are three sizes of letters in the Torah. Like you can have different size fonts uh, on your phone or whatever. So in the Torah, there is different letters, size. There is the large size, large font, and then there's the average font, and then there is the, the small font. Most of the letters of the Torah are from the average font. All certain. Then there, once in a while you get a big letter, and once in a while you get a small letter. In Vayikra you have a small letter, the Aleph of Vayikra, and it's very noticeable right away. It's a small little letter over here, and could be that's why the Zohar has this discussion of letters. But I don't know, because the mimer, the discourse that I'm sharing with you does not explain its, its connection to Parshas Vayikra. But yet, it is a fascinating discussion about the letters of the Torah. And this is what it says. Now let me read, what I'm going to do first, is I'm going to read briefly a whole lot of Zohar, just giving literal the translation. And then I'm going to go back and try to explain, based on the discourse, some of the fascinating ideas behind what the Zohar, it's a, it's a cryptic piece of Zohar, Without the Al-Tarebis, without Ripshnir Zalman of Liadi's explanation, it's really a mystery. But now, it, you'll see it will be illuminated. So it begins like this. <speaking in Hebrew> ask for a sign, or ask for a letter from God. <speaking in Hebrew> ask deep, <speaking in Hebrew> or raise up. Raise your question up. So the Zohar says like this. <speaking in Hebrew> I gaze at the early generations. <speaking in Hebrew> and the later generations. And what's the difference between the earlier Jews, the early generations, the generations of Moshe Rabbeinu, the early, early generations, to the later generations. Interesting, the Zohar is referring to itself already as the later generation. So obviously we're talking about the really early generations. And the early generations have a Yadin, a Mestak, Limba, The early generations knew and they gazed in the supernal wisdom. The And they knew how to combine letters. The la Sinai They knew the secret of the combination of letters. They knew how to put together letters that were given to Moshe at Sinai. and even the wicked amongst the Jewish people, the Yisrael amongst the Jewish, of the Jewish people, had the yadin goy Asvan Chachmasi who knew the, the, the wisdom of the of the the, the the supernal wisdom of the of the letters. The yadin goy asvaniyilah, and they knew the higher letters. The guy Azvin tata, and they also knew the lower letters. Chachmas, wisdom, Lanhaga bahai Alma, to conduct the affairs of this world. Now, it was because they knew the secret of the code, they knew the letters, so they were able to affect certain effects in this world. Okay, begin because the Chol Asva because every letter, the Itmesar Leilam Moshe that was given over to Moshe, have a misatrin V'sol Kenarish Arisha Dechayven Ilon kadishin. Is crowns its is crowned and it rises above the supernal beasts, holy beasts. The chayven have a And all these beasts are are crowned with these letters. Uparchen. And because of these letters, they're able to soar Goy Avira la into the ear. That is emerging, that is descending from the supernal ear, dukkik, that is very, very fine, the fine, fine ear, veloyadiyah, that is not known. So again, imagine, we have these letters that are coming down, that become the crowns on the holy beasts, whatever that means, and it enables these beasts to soar, chayan ilan, to soar where? Into the supernal ear, a very fine ear that is not known, it's very thin. Lo yada, but it's not known. Okay. The sulkin, and they're able to rise up. They soar all the way up. And because they soar up, the nachsin, the ravravin, the kikin. And what emerges after they soar up is letters come down. What letters come down? Large letters and small letters. Asvin ravravin nachtin me goye la yallah to The large letters descend from this chamber, from the supernal hidden chamber, the azvin, the kikin, and the small letters, have a and descend, tata from another hechal, a lower chamber, the ilin, the ilin, and both these letters, the higher letters that come from the higher chamber, and the lower letters, and the lower letters that come from the lower chamber, both these letters were given over to Moshe at Sinai. Now, following? Okay. I'm going to stop over here, because there's enough already here for commentary, and then I'm just going to continue, hopefully, with another piece. Okay? So what are we talking about over here? What does it mean that earlier generations were able to look at the letters, and they knew what's going on? So let's understand a little bit better. What is the secret of letters? What is the idea of osios, letters? Everything operates on letters. All communication is through letters. Now the interesting thing is that the essential letters that there exists in the world are all the same letters. It doesn't make a difference which language we speak in. We use... It doesn't make a difference which language we speak in. We all use the same alphabet. It has the olive base. The olive base has different. The olive base has different. Um, the, the alphabet of every language sound a little different, but essentially they're the same core letters. It doesn't make a difference if you're speaking in Polish, or you're speaking in in uh, in French. Or you're speaking in English, or you're speaking in Chinese. The essential letters are all the same letters, because we can all we all have the n, the, the n sound, we have the l sound, we have the m mm, right, the, the m right. We have the, these are the main, the core alphabet letters are the same. Slight variations from nation from language to language, but in essence the letters are the same. Now the 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 design of the letters, of course, are different the way they look the Chinese letters are very different than our letters the English alphabet and even and the Aleph base looks different but the core sounds that the letters make are all the same who made them up? where do they come from? why does all humanity use the same letters? there are really only 22 letters and the 22 letters are embedded in the essence of our soul there is no explanation to these letters there is no reason to these letters. The letters are something that God embedded at the core of, of all of us. And what are letters for? Letters bring everything from the hidden to the open. The word os, which means a letter, comes from the Aramaic word assa, it is coming. Asa boker, morning is coming the letters bring forth an energy, an undefined, uncharacterized potential energy, and the letters draw it forth out into the open. Like, for instance, within ourselves, every experience that we have emerges from our subconscious into our consciousness in words, in thoughts. And what are thoughts? Thoughts. Thoughts are letters, they're words, words made up from letters. Now these letters come out, for instance, if I have a concept, if I have an idea, any idea that I'm I'm thinking of, I have to think of it in words. Now the words is not the idea. We have to differentiate the idea, the concept, the intelligence is not the words, it's a concept. What's the proof that it's not the words? Because I can say the same idea in different words. Listen to every speaker that speaks or giving a class. At least once in the class, especially if it's a Jewish teacher giving a shir, at least once in the class they'll say, in other words, what was wrong with the first words, we don't know. But in other words, what's the idea of in other words? I'm taking the same concept and now I'm putting it into different words. But it's the same concept, the same idea. You'll go to a Shabbat's table, you'll hear a Dvar Torah on the week, someone will say it, and then you'll go to eat by someone else the next day, and someone else says the same Dvar Torah, you heard it yesterday, but you heard it completely in a different, with different words. The same idea. Everybody's using their own words, because the words and the idea are two, two separate things. The words are clothing. But these clothing is needed, they're vessels, they're clothing. And just like, and when are clothing needed, let's understand something, When something is emerging to the outside, when something is in a very private state, it doesn't need clothing. A person wears clothing to come out, to emerge, to come to the outside. So too, when you have a secret embedded emotion that is super private because it's in your sub-sub-consciousness, it's deep inside, there are no words to it. It's just an emotion. It's a raw emotion. It's raw love it's raw fear, it's raw, raw anger, Whatever, raw rage, whatever it is. The emotion is there, but it's no words. But if it needs to communicate to who? To you, to the person, to the conscious mind. The only way for it to emerge into consciousness is to pick up letters. It has to get dressed. It dresses itself, and here I am. That's how it can come out. Now, that's one level of emergence it emerges within ourselves into our thoughts that's where you have letters then if you want to take this emotion this feeling or you want to or you want to take this 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 idea this concept and you want to bring it out into the open even to a more more revealed state into a more open state so then you channel it into speech you put the letters of thoughts into the letters of speech. And when you put the letters of thought into the letters of speech, then you give it, then you, then you enclose it in other, meaning in, in, in more clothing, in the letters of speech, and then the idea becomes communicatable, becomes receivable by a person outside of you, by other people. So, right? But, but as long as someone doesn't put it into words, even if, you're very, even if they're showing that there is an emotion, for instance, when a person is screaming and shouting or they're weeping and they're crying. So you know they're in a lot of pain. You know there's a deep frustration or a deep pain going on. But you say, talk to me. Talk to me. Because you don't know. Because the now the person himself is thinking while they're crying. So they have they have the words, they have the letters, but those words are undiscernible by an outsider because it's letters of thought. It's not letters of speech. It has to be put into more coarse vessels. That's what letters of speech are. Letters of speech already are physical letters. Physical letters. Because what are letters of speech? You're taking the very same letters that you have in your thoughts. The very same letters that you have in your thoughts, but you're giving it matter. Literally, you're giving it substance. Why? Why? Because the letter of speech has sound and sound is already physicality because what are you doing your thought the letters of thought are not physical there I mean obviously there's some brain waves that are happening but it's more like a spiritual letter. but when that very same letter, when you're saying the word cat, when you're thinking cat, the letters CAT of the word cat are purely spiritual. But when you say cat then you're emanating breath and the breath is actually made out of the three, Elements of fire, wind, and water. From the word emor, emor means to speak. Esh mayim ruach. So you're putting it into substance. That's why if your mouth is very dry, the words don't come out well because there's too much fire. There's not enough water. If you speak and your mouth and it's too and the water is too strong, then the words will slur. people sometimes talk and you can't differentiate the the words that they're saying because there is an imbalance there's too much water and there's not enough fire so there's a combination fire, wind and water that that creates the breath of speech which is the sound which on those but it's the very same letters let's understand something it's the very same letters that are in your more spiritual thoughts emerge down they're sort of we can say imprinted onto something it's like when you have a, a, a concept and then you write it down. It's the same 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 sentence was in your head, but now it took on a physical form. So you're putting it onto something physical, and then you can bring it out to the outside. So the idea of letters are it's all vessels, it's all containers, and the and the power and the idea of these containers are to bring things out, to cause things, to enable things to emerge. Because without a container, we can't have any grasp on anything On pure energy, we can't grasp it It needs to come into these containers Now, here's a fascinating idea These containers, where do they originate? What's the source? Now, as we, as we mentioned now, there are two levels of letters There are more external letters Those are the letters of speech Which become communicable to the outside Which have a physical matter to them Physical substance to them Then there are more inner letters, which are the letters of thoughts in which you're thinking to yourself. But where do all these letters come from? And why do, as we said all before, all of humanity use these same 22 core letters? Where does it come from? So here's a very amazing thing. It comes from the deepest part of your soul. It comes from your super, super mind, beyond your mind, beyond your intelligence. It comes from what's called the Kesser inside of you, the keser, the crown. It comes from a place higher than your intelligence, higher than your understanding. The mind doesn't create the letters. Like we see, let's talk about speech, and you'll see it clearly. When a person has to speak, you don't have to make conscious effort from your mind to form, to create those letters. Let me understand, let me explain this. The first thing to note is that these letters because if you don't think about this most people haven't really thought too much about where speech comes from so someone could think where the speech begins speech begins in your jaw right over here by your cheeks, your tongue, your lips that's, that's the manufacturer that's the factory of words but it's not true because if the factory, if the letters would begin in your jaw in what we call the Kaliha Dibur and the Kalim of speech in your mouth then there should have been, then there would have to be, every person would need to take speech lessons to learn exactly how to move the lips, and you would have to make a a conscious, intelligent um, um, effort to move your, it's like learning a physical instrument. If you're learning an instrument, or you're learning a violin, no one just picks up the violin and plays the violin. No one picks up uh, a flute and just plays a flute or a piano. You have to, Take lessons. You have to know exactly, especially talk about, let's talk about a violin. You're moving that, 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 whatever it's called. What is it called? the, the thing for the what is it? Huh? The bow. You're moving the bow on this, on the on the on the strings. So we know it's the subtlest of subtlest of movements. It's it's so subtle. And the tiniest little angle in which you're moving the bow against the thing is making the littlest nuances create a completely different tone. And therefore, you'd be off-tune. So it's so fine-tuned to be able to play music. Now, why is it any different when it comes to letters of speech? It's the same thing. You realize, let's for instance take the, the bay sound and the pay sound. Now, what exactly are you doing differently when you're going B or when you're going P? Now, the difference is only that there's a little more power in the pa over the B now if you think that we would have to learn that to a three-year-old it would take a year puh. no 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 now there are people that for whatever reason the natural emergence of these letters don't happen naturally and for that there is a whole there's a whole uh, there's a whole science of speech therapy that helps people that have a problem with giving out a certain letter, that the letter doesn't emerge correctly. But for 90, at least 95% of humanity, that's not a problem. Somehow when a child becomes two, or one and a half, two to three, they're talking. Some are a little late bloomers, but they're talking. And these letters are coming out. And there is no conscious thinking of how am I going to say these letters. What happens is as follows. The letters are there inside of you. Inside there is a base, and inside there is a mem, and inside your very soul, higher than your intelligence, higher than your mind, because your mind doesn't even know why, what, where, it doesn't even know the chemistry of what creates this letter or what creates that letter. It just is. What happens is, when the base hits your jaws, it automatically takes the muscles of your mouth, and causes it to contract and expand in accordance to, say, the bays. The base makes your muscles move in the manner of a bays, not the opposite. That, the, that your muscles, you're doing a muscle movement, and that's what's bringing out the letter. It's not because you move your lips that way, that's why it's sounding that way. It, for someone who needs to do th- speech therapy, Maybe they do do that exercise, but regular doesn't work that way. Even then, it's just there's some kind of a, something something clogged, some kind of a disconnect that's not allowing the, the, the natural course of the letters. And what the therapist is only doing, therapist is not really creating the whole system. The therapist is only teaching the child, helping them unblock whatever is blocked. Because essentially the letters just flow. And that's just the way it is and, and the altar rebbe says in Tanya in, 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 he says you don't have to everybody can understand that this is the way it is I don't have to elaborate anymore to try to explain this it's not that you're consciously formulating the letters by the decision of your conscious mind to read it to turn your mouth and move your lips in a certain way like you would do with a musical instrument it's the opposite the letters are there already and the letters just have absolute amazingly control over the body, and the body just goes along with the soul. Because the body is bottled to the nephesh to the soul, the soul has these letters, which are all the kalim that Hashem has given the soul the ability to articulate itself. And these kalim come out, and that's what we said earlier, all languages have the same letters. Because this is what God has, 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 has created. Okay? Now, just like these letters are embedded in us, in all human soul, in all medabrim, in all speakers, all those who possess the power of speech. These letters, of course, are also applied to the divine. And up there in heaven, God also, he spoke and the world was created. What does he mean, he spoke? It means that letters emanated from the Shekhinah, Shekhinah is Hashem's mouth, malchus peh, which the Shekhinah speaks the world. These letters emerge out, and these letters are what bring the divine talent. They bring the divine talent the divine ideas. They dev- bring the divine emotions into expression into the world. And these are the various different creatures that are created. Every creature and every being is expressing a different nuance of Hashem's intelligence. Kulam, Bachachma asisa; all works created with wisdom. Hashem also created the world, Bechesed, Olam, Chesed, and then we know that the six days of creations every day, another one of Hashem's middos was active to create those creations of that particular day. So the entire world is a collage of God's in- intelligence and God's emotions. But what brings it into actuality, what causes it to be taken from a hidden potential on non-expressed state into action, it's the words of speech. It's the words of Malchus So really what's really there At the substance At the core of all of creation There's all a code of letters All of existence is just letters That's what it is It's interesting in Hebrew The words for There's no words How do we say stuff Things Devarim Because everything is words It's all all a, a godly code That's what everything is made out of Of these words The words, interesting, are the makif The words are encircling an energy There's the internal energy And then there's the words that are encircling it Just like we said earlier You have a concept And the concept is embedded in the words Now, now, mentioned mentioned to you earlier That there are higher letters and there are lower letters Just like in the human being There's letters of speech And then there are higher, deeper letters The letters of thought In the divine it's also that way there are letters that are that Hashem emanates to create the creations, the actual creations. Those are all the angels and all and every and all the worlds and all creatures, even all the way down to all physicality, it's all created by these letters. And then there is the letters of Hashem's thoughts, much higher. Which these letters are still way within God Himself. It's a preparatory stage for creation. The letters of the Abister's thoughts they emerge from not from Malchus, which is the Shekhinah, they emerge from what's called the Bina. Bina is the mother of Malchus. Bina is the, the, the source. Like in a human being, whenever you have an, an intelligence, it as we said earlier, comes with words, and the words of your thought, of your intelligence, are the backbone of your emotions. Because it's what we perceive in our minds and understand, that's how we form emotions and feelings. So, the emotions are, du- are receiving from the letters, from the words of the Bina, which are higher than the emotions. Okay? Two letters, levels of speech. Now, here's an amazing thing. All these letters, these these ice, we mentioned earlier where do they begin? They begin in the pre intellect. So, above it's also that way. Higher than all the sephirot, higher than all the attributes, higher than all the expressions of God, sephiros are so holy. This is the fundamental divine powers through which Hashem creates all of existence. <coughs> Excuse me. Higher than all of them is what is Kesser, the crown, the Sof, And from the crown is the source of the supernal letters, of the supernal words, the containers, the vessels, that, that capture the energy inside of them. These Aleph bays, the letters. And the amazing thing is, it's the same Aleph that we're speaking. It's the same Aleph Beis, but of course, on a level so spiritual, so spiritual, so abstracted, higher and higher, we have no understanding of what these letters are, but it's the same letters, the same letters that are in the, in the divine Keser, Hashem had embedded in every human being, the Koa Adibor, it's now different letters. One is Mishtal Shel, one emerges from that. But we understand that the core letters of God are in the Torah. The core letters of Hashem are, in the Torah. The letters that Hashem created heaven and earth, Asarim Amaris Nivra Oylem, higher letters, Asaris Adibros, and the like. But the letters really are rooted in the Ein Sof Himself. So now we'll understand something about what the Zohar says, that the early generations. They would gaze at the supernal wisdom and they knew how to combine the letters. They knew how to combine the letters. What does that mean? Because the earliest generations, the generations of Moshe Rabbeinu, the first, first generations, their spiritual quality of their soul was from such a high place. So they were able to tap in to the level of chachma, of wisdom. And when we say wisdom, we mean not just wisdom, we mean the pre-wisdom pre-intellect. And that's why they would gaze, Mestaklan, they would gaze. Because really in the pre-intellect, there's no understanding, there's just looking. Chachma is actually called re'iya, vision. It's like a person sometimes has a certain vision and they can't explain it. They see a certain truth. The Gemara says an interesting thing. The Gemara says that Rav, one of the great sages, was once studying, said a certain halacha, he said a certain statement and the sages came and they refuted it they asked him a question where they refuted it and rav did not and rav didn't have an answer but rav was silent he didn't argue he didn't refute their argument but yet he continued to insist that he's right now why was he stubborn was he just not willing to give in and admit that he made a mistake no rav was able to see with the with the eyes of his seichel, with his eyes of his holy soul He was able to perceive the truth but he wasn't able to explain it even in his own seichel. Forget about bina. Bina means to really, really grasp it in the left side of your brain. Even in his chachma which is the ability to perceive just the essence of the idea. Even there he couldn't understand it. But he had the higher level of chachma which is vision. He can see it even though he couldn't grasp it. He couldn't understand it. These early generations were plugged into that level. Because that's where letters come from Letters come from pre-intellect That's why these generations Were familiar with the power of the letters And they knew the letters It's interesting We were learning in our Thursday night share last week That God's amazing thing That Hashem reveals Himself in every generation In a different way That means the energy of Hashem Is in each generation in something else So on the one hand in Judaism We have tradition But on the other hand, we realize that there are changes that take place from generation to generation, and our emphasis and our avoda and our connection to God has to go along with these changes, and it's usually the tzaddikim who reveal that to us. What these changes are. For instance, he says in that discourse, an amazing thing, that in the times of the Mishnah and in the times of the Talmud, the divine energy, God was revealing himself in Torah Shabalpeh. In the study of Mishnah and in the study of Talmud, that's where you encountered God. You wanted to encounter God, you learned Mishnah and Talmud. That was in those days. He says the generations during the time of the Beisam Migdash, even though of course they studied Torah Shabbat, but that was not the main connection to Hashem during those generations. What was the, the main connection to Hashem during the earlier generations? By the prophets. It was through prophecy. It was a different experience. It wasn't by the Tanoim, by the Tana, by the by the sage, by the big scholar. It was by the prophet. Prophets were in a different zone. They were in a different place and a different dimension. And he says, in our generations you want to encounter God, you encounter God not so much in Torah study. Now let me Clarify. I don't mean you don't encounter the Abish when you study Torah. Of course you do. And you encounter Hashem in every mitzvah. But primarily, he says, in the later generations, today, when we're the level of the feet. God too descends to the feet. And the way you encounter God is through doing acts of goodness and kindness. Tzedakah is the main place of connecting to the Abish Torah. In every generation it's different, as it, as it changes. So I'm thinking, it doesn't say this over there, I'm thinking in the earliest generations, Moshe Rabbeinu and them, what was their connection? On what level? They were into the letters of the Torah. It's interesting, the Gemara says, he doesn't either bring this over here, that why were the earlier generations called Sofrim scribes? Because Sofrim also means to count. Because they would count the letters. They were fascinated with the letters. And when I say the letters, you have to understand something. When you're reading Torah, you can read two things. You can try to get the content. What's pshat? Tell me pshat. What is the Pasuk saying? What does Rashi say? So Rashi is going to tell you pshat. Nachmanadi is going to tell you pshat. Ramban is going to tell you pshat. Evan Ezra is going to tell you pshat. And you can go and then you can learn Remez, Drush, Arachayim, chasam Sofer, this Pirush, that Pirush, Hasidus, Kabbalah. All of that is dealing into the content. That's content. But we're not talking about content. We're talking about the letters themselves. The holy letters of the Torah. Just the letters, nothing else. The letters are a magnificent code. And the divinity of the letters is much higher than the content. That's the beauty over here. The godliness of the letters is far superior. Because the letters are rooted in the keser, in the crown. That's higher than the chachma. The content is chachma. The letters are the pre-intelligence of the Ein Sof. All captured in those letters, extremely holy. So the earlier generations, they knew these letters. And that's why he says that they, they it says, let's say, for instance, said about Petzalel. Petzalel, who built the, the Mishkan, he knew how to combine the letters of heaven and earth. He actually put the entire cosmos into the Mishkan. When he built the Mishkan, in that little miniature structure, you ever go to Legoland? And you see over there, there's like a whole world of, of, you see London and Washington and and, and France and the Eiffel Tower. Everything is in a little miniature, tiny little world. So the same is, B'tzal took the entire cosmos, all the worlds, and he put it into the base of English because he knew the letters. He knew the code. And when you know the code, you know everything. So he goes on to say, that's what the Zohar means, that even the wicked amongst the Jewish people knew the letters, but they used it for not good things. What they used was they manipulated the letters. And that's what he brings people who know in the, in the days of the Arizal, after the after Kabbalah became very popular, there were a lot of bad guys who took Kabbalah in the wrong direction. They used Kabbalah for empowerment. It can empower them. And they they, they got to know various different names of God and what's called Hashubah Sashemus in which you place an oath on these names and you try to Push things to happen when they're not supposed to happen. You try to affect various differences. But they were successful. Because if you know the code, you can draw down certain things. And then he goes on to say in a magnificent thing. The reason the Zohar says that they knew the higher letters and they knew the lower letters, and they used these letters to affect things in this world. So he says there's a difference between the very big tzaddikim and the regular folks who were playing with the letters. The big tzaddikim, they knew the higher letters. The, 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 the regular people also knew the code, the genetic code of creation But they only knew the lower letters What's the difference between the higher letters and the, and the, and the lower letters? This is an, a, a fascinating thing He says like this When one wants to affect See the lower letters are the, low, are the letters of the Shekhinah The letters of the name of Elohim Elohim by the way has five, five letters to it Aleph, Lamed, Yud, Hey, Mem Five letters which are the five letters of divine speech. The name, the power of Malchus, five Gevurot, the five powers, five organs of speech. From we are all words that create the creation, that set the nature, they set the chemistry, they set the boundaries of the creation, the the system of creation. Those are those letters. But then there is the higher letters, the letters of thought. The letters of thought that are before the letters of speech. So he says like this, when a person just wants to activate more bracha in this world. But you don't want to change the world. You just want to activate more bracha in the world. For example, you have a field and the field is growing poorly. And you want to get the energy flowing. You want to get the energy in the field going. You want to get it. It should be the produce. should be gesund and stark. It should be oh, really a good crop. So the best way to do it is to daven Hashem as a simple Jew and pray to God and to please help you. If you're a troublemaker, if you were those who lived in the early generations, and as the Zohar says, the sinners who don't, who don't want to just daven to with simplicity, then you can mess with the letters. What would you do? You would emphasize these various... You would, you would you would push the buttons. But you're not changing the letters because nothing has to be changed. Or You just have to increase the flow. You just have to like... So by doing certain because you only know the lower letters. And the lower letters, you have to work within the system, but you can intensify the flow within the system. But he says, there is a case where you had the big tzaddik, Rebbe Hanina dosa that one time was Friday night, and they didn't have any, any, any oil to burn. And his daughter, by mistake, wet, and she put in the vinegar. All they had was vinegar. And he said, Misha Omar, the one that says... The sheyadlik that shemen should burn yomar sheyadlik can say to the vinegar should burn. Whoever said? So he says, "Ooh, that's already a trick, because over there you have to already tinker with the code. You can't just intensify the flow because vinegar is vinegar. It's got the wrong letters. It doesn't have the letters that create that is consumable in a fire that can that, is, that can be served as fuel. You need to have oil." However, if you're associated with God's thoughts, if you can tap into Hashem's thoughts, if you can get into the pre-code, not into the code of actual creation, but you can get into the pre-code over there. Just like a person has a thought, in thought I can I can change my words. If I gave a speech and I said these words, and you say, "Hey, I didn't like it," can you explain it differently so that uh, I'll rethink it and I'll say it in other words? Oh, because in the thought. In the thought, you can change the letters. And that's the meaning of why Rabbi Hanina ben Gil, here his words. He says, Misha Amar, what is the word me? Me is Mem Yud, Mem Yud equals 50. 50 is Bina, that's the higher level of letters. So what he did was, he said, let's go back to the me, to the, to the Bina, that's before the Malchus, before the speech. Let's get to the pre-letters, from the letters of thoughts, and over there cause a change. And from there he got the vinegar to burn. So he says like this, if you want to change letters, then you have to get to the supernal letters. If you don't want to change the letters, you just want to increase the flow and what is already, then you can work with the lower levels with letters, with the natural letters, but not with the... Okay. Now to continue. What does it mean, what he said earlier, this is very powerful, that the letters become crowns on top of the supernal beasts. And they soar up. They soar up to the, to, the, to the supernal ear. So that's a little bit the idea that we had mentioned earlier that the source of the letters is in Kesser. Wow, what does he mean by that? First, let's see what are these beasts that soar. So he says there's something else very powerful about letters. In addition to the descent of divine letters down, everything coming from God to the world, every hamshach, every flow is through words, through letters. It also works the other way around. Everything, all energy going upward is also through letters. Why are we Jewish people so obsessed with talking all the time? In our spiritual service, we're always saying a Yehirazon, another another thing. Let's get into meditation. Let's do more, you know, it's so much more spiritual. We can just do various different meditations and the like. Why always speak and speak and speak? Everything is so much words in the Siddur. Our religion is so wordy. Really, so much to say to say. Why, the, why not do, why not daven in, with, with meditation? And sometimes people feel it's so much more spiritual than just saying words. And the answer is an amazing thing. What did we say before? Letters, not only do they bring things down, but letters carry things up as well. And the power of the letters is to bring things much higher than the power of any other emotion you can have. You can have a rapturing emotion of God where your soul is rapturing with yearning for God, and it will only carry your soul to a certain level, but if you will put those emotions into words of a pasuk, they will, be, they will act as the dynamite to literally lift that, 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 that emotion totally out of the atmosphere and bring it all the way up. That's if you put it into words. If you don't put it into words, it's very limited. Why is that the case? Because we said before, and he gives an interesting example. He says the letters are makif. They're encompassing, because they're a lavush, they're a garment. You have a feeling, and then you're putting it into words. We see that when you want to throw something, for instance, if I want to throw a stone, how far can I throw a stone? I can throw a stone, a hundred feet. If I'm stronger, I can throw a stone, two hundred feet. Okay? Fine. But if I, if I really want to throw the stone very far, then I'll put it into a sling. And I'll wrap this, and I'll go like a few times around, and and then the 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 distance that the stone can fly when it's being thrown with a, with a sling is so much farther than when you just throw it plain. And that is the reason why you need to say the words of davening, because every word is a sling that takes the emotion that's put in that word and throws it so much farther, so much higher. Again, because of the powers of the letters. Why? Because the source of the letters that are coming off your mouth, we said that the same letter is emanating from Kesser. These letters carry up your emotion, they carry up your, your feeling, all the way up into the supernal crown of the Einzoth. And that's what he means that the supernal beasts above, which I'm not going to get into right now, are soaring on these letters, they're crowns for them, and they soar. And what does he say they, they soar to? To the supernal ear. That's a very fine ear, a very thin ear. What does it mean, that ear? That ear is referring to keser, because the word avir, the word avir, which means ear, can be divided into two words, or yud. The or, the light of the yud. What does it mean, the light of the yud? The yud is chachma. What's the light of the yud? We know in Hashem's name, yud vavke. The yud is chachma, which is the first attribute. The first attribute, the highest attribute. But what's the light of the Yud? What's giving light to the Yud? That's kesser. That's that's the sof, And that's where the letters come from. They come from the sof higher than that. So that's why the letters are so powerful. Letters of prayer and letters of Torah. It's really, really amazing. Who was the one who brought to us this idea? Again, as I mentioned, the Zohar already talks about it. But who was the one who brought to the Jewish people? This idea of the beauty of the letters of the Aleph Bez And the importance of the letters of the Aleph Bez That was the holy Baal The power of the letters The previous Chabad Rebbe In a very interesting talk Writes an interesting story He says an amazing thing He says that the Baal And we speak about different tzaddikim Who had certain revelations of Eliyahu Anavi, This one and that one that came to them it says in Chasidis that when you have a revelation of your own neshama talking to you, it's higher than the gilu of Eliyahu, because Eliyahu is a malach today. A neshama is higher than a malach. The balshem tov communicated with his own neshama, meaning his soul as it is up there. And his soul told him, this is what he says, his soul revealed to him that the reason he reached such spiritual heights that no other person has reached the Baal Shem Tov reached such magnificent spiritual heights is because, not because of his Torah, not because of his tefillah, not because of his Torah study, not because of his prayer, but because of his dveikus in the letters of the Torah. The Baal Shem Tov loved the holy letters. And when he davened, he just held on to the letters. Imagine that you see these letters holding on to the letters. And just floating with the letters. Just holding on to the letters. The dveikos in the letters. Because the letters are... By the way, I didn't mention earlier, the Zohar continues. I just want to say one more thing before I continue with this. The Zohar continues how the letters, each letter you see in the Torah, there is the letter you see, like for instance, you see an aleph. There is the aleph. But in the aleph, there's really a hidden two letters, a lamed and a peh. Because when you say the word aleph, you have lamed peh. Now, that's called the Miloy, the milo, the miloi. The then, in addition to that, there is the miloi of the Miloy, which means now that you have an aleph, lamed, Pay, so now you take the aleph from the aleph, lamed, peh, and you make aleph, lamed, Pay, and then you take the lamid and the lamid is lamid mem, daled, and you have the, the pay, the pay is pay, pay, peh, aleph or peh, hey, I'm not sure what the pay is. But each letter, you realize what's going on over here? each letter has other letters inside of them. So one Aleph of the Torah has the Miloy, the hidden letters, and the Miloy of the Miloy, and the Miloy of the Miloy. Which goes on, which means if you take a letter, the letter has billions of letters emerging from it. And only God knows why the Aleph is filled with the Lamed and ape, and why the Gimel is filled with the Yud, Mem, and Lamed. And again, each one of these has hidden letters inside of them. So when you're looking at the Torah, now but but let's understand something. In the original Aleph, they're all pregnant in the Aleph. The Aleph is carrying all these letters that are born from it, which are the power in the cosmos. And it's all in the Torah. So when you're looking at an Aleph, you realize that there is an infinite trail of letters that emerge from that one letter. There is an infinite trail of letters that's emerging from the bays of Bereshus, from the Rish of Bereshus, from the Aleph, and this is the code of all of creation and of all of existence. And the Baal Shem Tov appreciated the power of the letters, just pure letters. And that's why the Baal Shem Tov encouraged people, he told the Baal Shem days, everything was about content. A scholar, the Baal Shem Tov encouraged people just to say to say the word, just simple saying. The simple letters of saying holy letters is so powerful, both in prayer and in the reading of the letters of the Torah. So based on all of that, I'd like to share a story, as I mentioned earlier, a personal story about a Torah that um, we are writing over here at Mayan Yisrael. And it's a sefer Torah that is being written for the Bal Shem Tov. And as, a, as I will share with you in the story, there is some very, very interesting signs that this has been kind of accepted by, we might say so, the Baal Shem Tov, as a very special Torah in His name. What happened was here at Ma'an we didn't have our own sefer Torah. We're here for eight years, we didn't have our own sefer Torah, like any new shul, we borrowed sefer Torahs to use for the lading. Okay, uh, so went on for a few years, a very generous rabbi in the community lent me two sefer Torahs, and they were beautiful sefer Torahs, and we used them for a few years. At a certain point he let me know that he needs the Torahs back because he wants to put him somewhere. Fine. But his, his threat that he's coming to take away the Torahs came and went and he didn't take them. So I was very happy. And then when he threatened me a second time that he's coming to take the Torahs, I kind of didn't believe him until he told me that he's coming tomorrow. Or like that he needs the Torahs. Okay. So then I realized, okay. So it was a Thursday morning and I was standing here in shul and we barely maybe had 10 people over here in Minyan. And I turned to the and here in shul and I said, hey guys, does anybody know where I can borrow another Torah? Because they're coming to take away our Torahs. So he said to so the guys, to so someone, one of the guys, said, why do you want to borrow a Torah? Why don't we write our own Torah? It's so, a time for my own to have your own Sefer Torah. Why don't we write it? And to me, it was like such a big project. I can hardly manage what I need to do now to take on a project of having a Sefer Torah. It's a big expense. Ah, how in the world can I afford this? Uh, I said, no, I can't do that. It's too much for me. So he says, no, no, no. Everybody will chip in. We'll all buy a Parsha. And will and then you'll actually how much does a sefer Torah cost? Whatever, so and so you'll actually sell the parshias for so much. You'll actually make some money for the center. It's a good a good thing. And everybody around started. And the people that were there said, Yeah, I'll buy a parsha. I'll buy a parsha. I'll buy. A parsha. Before I knew it, there were like fifteen parshias sold right then from the minion that had ten people. We had fifteen parshias, and it was very very encouraging. I said, That's wonderful. We're going to have our own sefer Torah. And I said, But you know who is going to be like usually a sefer Torah is that it has a name like this person, that person. But who is this Torah going to be for? So I don't know if it came from me or if it came from—I don't remember who it was—but we, or maybe all of us together, we said, "Let's dedicate this to the Balshemtov and let's call it the Balshemtov Sefer Torah." Mayan Yisrael is dedicated to the Balshemtov. It's here to teach the Balshemtov's teachings. It would be nice to write a Torah in honor of the Balshemtov. That was the thought, and that was the inspiration. That happened on Thursday. Great. Meanwhile, I knew I'm probably going to have to borrow a Torah until I can get this. It'll take a while, it'll take a year until we'll get a Sefer Torah written. Fine. But it was an exciting thought. Matzah Shabbos. I mean, that Shabbos. Two days later, we're sitting here by Seder by Shalosh A couple of guys, a couple of khever, we're sitting and we're singing. It's always a very, very special time. We're singing Chasidish uh, Nigunim. It's a, it's, a, it's a high. It's a very, very spiritual time. And I'm and 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 and, it, and I'm thinking. Suddenly, the thought occurred to me: the, the, the a thought that no one should think on Shabbos is that the weekday is coming. And the weekday scared me because it was going to be a pretty tough week ahead of me. Because I had a a, a a a loan that I had to pay back, that I took for this to, to keep the center um, uh, going, and it was a lot a, a lot of it was a, it was a large amount. Of, it was like thirty five thousand dollars, and I maybe had a few hundred dollars in the bank. That's it, and I have no idea where am I getting thirty five thousand dollars? No idea. So I am sitting here and I and it's, I start feeling like uncomfortable that the week is coming because I am going to have to face this pressure, and I don't know where to turn. So I wish And I'm thinking to myself oh, I wish Shabbos wouldn't end So we finish benching We benched And I go to my place And, and the chazan is starting Which is myriv. And as he starts myriv, I protested In my own mind And I said You guys can do whatever you want you, can, you guys can go to the week I'm staying in Shabbos I'm not going Go Take care So the boat left And I'm standing by my place And I'm not david myriv Because I'm kind of comfy in Shabbos. I don't want to go into the cold week. Meanwhile, I'm standing there, so not thinking, I stretch my hand out to the top shelf of books next to me, and I pull out a book, randomly, not even thinking what I'm taking. It was a letter, it was a book of response from the Lubavitcher Rebbe in regards to Shulchan Aruch, on Yerodeo, in which he had various different Shiloh's questions and answers. I open up randomly to a page, and the letter that I open up to with two letters on that page. One letter that I read is about writing newspaper, writing Torah articles for newspapers. And the question over there was to the Rebbe, should one put Torah articles in newspapers when you know that people will read newspapers in the restroom, people will throw it in the trash, it will end up not in the right place. And it's Torah. You know, should you or should you not? So the Rebbe answers that my father-in-law, the previous Chabad Rebbe, was very fond of it, and he approved it, and not only that, he encouraged it. Which means because the good that comes out from people, so many people getting to read a Torah thought, outweighs the the problem with it being mistreated. Not to take that lightly, but still the idea that people through this is a it's it's a vehicle of communication to so many people is is a very positive thing, and therefore he says you should go ahead and you, and you should do it. And the thought right away occurred to me that week. I remember what it was. It was Shabbos Parshas Baloscha. Was the first week that an article written by. It wasn't, I didn't write it But it was from one of my shihur Written by a Because I'm not a writer And someone wrote an article In my name For the Hamodiyah newspaper And that Shabbos was, That's the week that it came out So I felt like Wow, okay So I did that this week That's pretty good And here I'm getting like a Ishur, I'm getting a validation For writing the article It felt really good That's the, that's the page of, That's the letter On the bottom of the page Then I look at the previous letter Again on the same page What's the question? Question is, should a, a organization write a sefer Torah? Can an organization write a Torah in which people will all chip in to write a Torah? And if there is extra money, is the organization a lot of benefit from the funds that were given towards a sefer Torah? But then the yeshiva, was actually yeshiva is the latter support itself with funds coming for the Torah. Is that permitted? So the Rebbe writes, 100% it's permitted. Not only that, I wish others... Organizations would take this initiative And do another fundraiser like that And raise money through sefator. So this is a good thing Gives us approval A very nice thing So I'm thinking, wow, look at that Two projects which I both did this week And both of them I get a thumbs up Saying that this was a good thing So I'm saying, wow, you know what? At least I have backing I might have 35,000 on, on my head But if I have backing from above Okay, you know what? I'm not alone in this so it, it lifted my spirits. I davened my and I join into the, and I go into the week. Everything is good and nice and dandy on Matzah Shabbos and on Sunday because the banks are closed. Monday the bank is open and I need $35,000 and I have nothing. So I woke up early morning and I went to the mikveh and I davened. And then I said to hill And it was a very, very deep to hilum. And then I started davening with the minion and we davened. And then during Shmona Esrei, my mind was racing. Because I'm thinking about the bank and it's racing this way, and it's racing that way, back and forth. How am I going to cover the bank? Before I know it, I'm almost finished Shemona Esrei, and I suddenly come to my consciousness when I'm holding in the middle of the bracha Ritzay Hashem Elokeinu by the words sahila Tamed Avodas Yisrael Amecha. That's when I suddenly wake up from my trance, and it bothered me because I said, "Hey, if you need a special bracha from Hashem, this is the time. You davening Sh'mona this is the time to evoke blessings." You just said Baruch Aleinu. Baruch aleinu is the blessing where you ask for Parnassah, where you ask for 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 whatever you need. And, and, and I missed it. I totally missed it. And it bothered me. But then I thought, but well, if you're missing Baruch aleinu, you can always catch in Shema Koleinu, because Shema is like a general bracha where you can daven for everything. But then I realized I miss Shema too. So I'm not only Shlomazel number one, Shlomazel two times. I miss Shema Now what am I going to do now? This was bothering me. And the thought, you know, you're not in control of these thoughts. They just come like quickly. This is all taking place in maybe, you know, 15 seconds. This whole thing. So this, so the thought that occurs to me is these words: Ritze is not a bad bracha." Don't you know? Ritzay is also not a bad bracha. So let me at least concentrate on what I have. So I finish Monasre trying to have kavanah on what I have left, and finished. I finish Monasre. I make Olso Shalom. The people in shul. Are still davening. I'm the first one to finish because I was told my mind wasn't there, so I raced through the whole thing. So I'm the first one to finish. Everybody, including the chazan, is still davening. So what do I do? Standing by my place, reach out again for a book. This time I pull the Kesar Shemtov. I don't remember if I intentionally pulled it or not. This one could have been that intentionally that I wanted the book of the Bal Shemtov. Anyways, I pull the book out, but definitely the page that I opened up to was not intentional. I open up the page in Kesser Shemtov. And there's a caption. The caption's is, Let it be, for goodwill, the service of the Jewish people. And the words suddenly hit me like a bolt. These were the words that I just became conscious of. when I, The words that danced out at me from the Siddur when I became conscious that I'm Dominic were these very words. So I say, wow, this is really interesting. And I begin reading, what does it say? The simple meaning of the words means let it be let the service of the Jewish people always find favor in your eyes. That means, that means that we should never be annoying to God. God should always see that our service is appealing to Him. You should always find our Avodah appealing to Him. Fine. The Balshem however, gives another pirish: Let the service of the Jewish people always evoke goodwill from you to nullify negative decrees. See? If for whatever reason there's a negative decree brewing above, let the service of the Jewish people stand in front of you to nullify this negativity, to remove the negativity. You hear? And the Baal Shem Tov continues, What's the Avoda? What is the Avoda? What service of the Jewish people has that power to continuously stand in front of God to eliminate and to eradicate negative decrees? The Baal Shem Tov says, this is when we engage the letters of the Torah. The letters, not the content, the letters. In which way? In two ways. Either by saying the letters of the Torah, like saying Tehillim, which I had done that morning. Or, let me read the words. Uh, or, uksiva Sefa Torah, writing a Sefa Torah, shebo hakol, that everybody should join along. I almost fainted on the spot. Because this word's popped out of the sitter, I pull it out of the Kesher Shemtov. We just decided three days ago we're going to write a sefer Torah to honor and for the Bal Shemtov. And here the Bal Shemtov is talking about writing a communal sefer Torah where everybody joins. I was so excited after davening. I shared this with everybody. This is like really, really interesting. Fine. I come back later and I read it again. This time I look at the footnote at the bottom. It says, "When did the Bal Shemtov say this Torah?" This Torah from the Baal Shem Tov came as a result of something that happened. In the city of Mezhabuz, in the Baal Shem Tov city, there was once a devastating plague. And people, there wasn't a house described over there, there wasn't a house, that there wasn't one or two people very ill. Some of them were deathly ill. Literally on their deathbed. They came running to the Baal Shem Tov to do something, to please. As you say in Yiddish, Ein reisen velten, tear the, the heavens, to, 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 to annul this bad decree. So to their utter surprise, the Baal Shem Tov says, I cannot help you with this matter, but you can help yourselves. And he, re- and he repeated this short little teaching, this Torah the Baal Shem Tov said to them. Immediately the people in the town decided in Mezhabuzh that they will get together and all come together and share the expense of writing a Torah. When they all committed to writing the Torah, the Baal Shem Tov commanded his Sofer Reb Tzvi to start writing. They wrote two columns of the Torah. They wrote two columns of the Torah, and as soon as he finished writing, when he was done the second column, the magefa, the plague, stopped. And all the sick were miraculously healed. They named that Sefer Torah the Miracle Sefer Torah. That Sefer Torah remained in Mezhibosh till before the war. After, from the war, I don't know what happened to it. But I know it was there till the Second World War big tzaddikim came from all over Europe to be merit, to have an aliyah in that sefer Torah called the Moifes sefer Torah, the miracle sefer Torah. Okay? So I'm saying, wow, this is special. We got a bracha from the Baal Tov, we're writing a sefer Torah. I don't know if the sefer Torah is the miracle sefer Torah, but there is definitely a nod from above. When you see certain things, you get like a feeling, there's a nod from above, that this is a good thing. Then I start thinking, who is going to write the Torah? Who am I going to ask to write such a special Torah? There's got to be a very special person. I met a certain salesman who was here selling Torahs, and he showed me all kinds of things, but I didn't feel it. I just didn't feel it, that this was it. That Friday night, I'm here in Shul, and we have a beautiful Kabbalah Shabbos with singing and dancing. We finished davening. This is the following week, Parsha Shalach. I turn around, and I see two Yidden that I haven't seen it before. They look like outer-towners. I go over, I say, Shalom Aleichem. They're two chassidim from Yerushalayim. And, uh, and, they tell, and I say, hi, whatever. And one of them says to us, he says to me, I'm Rabbi Hennig from Yerushalayim. And we sell Sefer Torahs. We're here to look if people want Sefer Torahs. When I heard the name Rabbi Hennig, it was, gave me like a real respect. Because this Rabbi Hennig, his father, Rabbi Hennig, was when the Lubavitcher Rebbe wanted to write a special Torah for all the children of the Jewish people. All the children should all join in writing a Torah. He had a special Torah written in the old city of Yerushalayim. Tafk in the old city. And who did he choose? He chose this Rav Henick's father to write that Torah. So I got chills. I said, I, I never. these guys were never here. Suddenly, the week after we decide to write a Torah, he shows up. And he, so I asked him if his father writes. He told me his father doesn't write anymore. But he told me he's going to get me a special sofa. And I told him the story. Says I said, this is a very special Torah. It has to be written in a special way. Please. Good. For whatever reason, like all good things, all kinds of stuff got in the way. The Torah sat for two, three years, and it never happened. We got it going about a year and a half ago. The Sefer Torah is completed. And in, in Yerushalayim. Now, but it's, 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 uh, it, uh, it, it still has the ability for everybody to join in. The beautiful thing is, that I always thought that I wouldn't pick it that someone kept on telling me that if you, when time comes, I'm gonna go pick it up from Yerushalayim. And I said, okay, wonderful. You're gonna go pick it up from Yerushalayim. I made up with this guy that he would pick it up. A few weeks ago during davening, you see how much kavan I have during davening, if I'm always thinking about everything. In any case, during davening on Shabbos, I'm standing over here and I'm davening, and I'm thinking, you know, the thought cursed to me, why should I send someone to pick up the Torah? I haven't been in, in, in Eretz Israel for 24 years. Not because I have anything about going to Israel. I just didn't have the financial means to have the luxury to go. So I didn't go for 24 years since I was in yeshiva. Right after I got married, we went, me and my wife. But since then, I haven't gone. So I said, I should go myself with my wife. And we'll pick up the Torah. From the, for which. Then the thought occurred to me, if this is a Torah written for the Baal shouldn't we bring the Sefer Torah to the Baal So then the thought was, maybe on the way back, we should go to Ukraine. So the thought was like, wow, that's a good idea. We'll go to the Ukraine. Maybe we'll go to the old tzaddikim that are in Ukraine and we'll take the Sefer Torah everywhere to get the blessings of all the tzaddikim. Okay, so I wasn't sure how good of an idea, especially I had no idea financially how I'm going to take care of this. But hear this. Here's an amazing story. So I'm all excited about it. I come and I tell my wife, we're going after Pesach. We're going to Eretz We're going to pick up the Sefer Torah. We're going to bring it. Let's give it in on Lag Bomer. That was the thought. Let's bring it in on Lag Bomer. Good, wonderful. The next morning I call a friend of mine who's done the, the Ukraine trip a few times and he's, he's from, from Kiev and I spoke to him and I said to him how long do I have to spend in Kiev if I want to get all over he gave me a whole in itinerary he said don't rush you have to be there a few days fine as soon as I hang up the phone with him I'm, I'm, I went to a bris in the Pico in the Nessa center so I'm, I'm, I go to the bris the father of the baby it's already it was a Persian bris so it's already half an hour after the bris was called for and the father hasn't even come yet and I thought, I'm the guy who is late. So I come, and no one is there, I'm standing outside, and, and there's people there waiting. And a guy walks over to me, this was like, so. as soon as I hung up the phone, talking with this person about the trip in Ukraine, this person comes over to me, a guy I don't know, he's also an Israeli chassid, comes over to me and he says, Oh Rabbi Wolf, shalom aleichem. Okay, said, he says, he knows me, I don't know him. He tells me that he regards from this and this person, so when he used to live over here in Los Angeles, he used to be a principal Rabbi Feigl. I met Rabbi Fagel, and you know where I was with him? I was with him in Mezhabush and in Haditch, and in these places I was. So I said, and then he says to me, were you ever there? I said, no. He says, you gotta go, you gotta go. I said, I'm planning a trip right now. Ooh, let me give you the address. Let me not the address, let me give you the person to call who's in charge over a Shabbos and the Achnosus Archem by, in Haditch, by the Balatanya, and in Mezhebush. Let me give you the numbers. I said, wow. So then I walked away from there, and I said to myself, this is crazy. From the eight billion people that there are in the world that I could have met after this conversation. I didn't meet any I met this one person. From any subject under the sun that he could have spoken to me right after I decided to go to meabush, he could have spoken about anything, any subject. So he tells me right then there that I should go to meabush and tahadaj and tells me the connection is clearly, it was clearly to me an invitation. That come, let's go. So this is then I occurred to me. If I'm going already, why not be Shabbos and Mezhebosh? So the whole story is like this. We're going right after Pesach. We're going to pick up the Sefer Torah in, in Yerushalayim. We're going to take it to Meron, to the Reb Shimon Ba Yochai. We're going to take it to the Arizal in Svas we're going to bring it to the Ukraine, we're going to go to all Sadiqim in Ukraine, to the Rabbi Yitzhak of Barditchev, to Ramachman of Brest, we're going to go to the, the, the Altareb of the Balatanya, we're going to go to the Toldess Yaakov Yeshev, we're going to go to Degel Machne, Machne Afrayim, the grandson of the Balshemtov. we're going to go to the Magidim, is Richard Magid, Rabbi of Anapali, a whole week we're going to be traveling around there, we're going to spend Shabbos and Mezhibosh. And then the thought is that on the way back, we're going to go to New York, if we get permission, I haven't yet worked that out, to be able to bring the Sefer Torah into the Lubavitcher Rebbe's private office, to write a few letters over there. Maybe we can even, if we have a sofa joining with us, we'll write letters by all these tzaddikim. And then we're going to bring it here to Los Angeles. We're going to have the Chmasa Torah on Lag Bomer, the day of Reb shimon Bayochai. Yochai. The first reading of the Torah is going to be Shvuas in the morning on the Balshemta's yard yard site. We're going to read the Asera Sadibris. That is a very special story. What I do want to do, what I'd like to do is invite everyone, because this week the emails are going to be going out. The mailings are going to go out. You can buy a letter. Um, you can buy a word. You can buy a letter. You can buy a paragraph. You can buy a parsha. There's about 25 parshios left if you want to buy a whole parsha. And then there's all the other things. This is a very special Torah. And it's the letters are very... It's just... There's something about it that's very, very special. And I'd like everybody to share in the mitzvah. And the trip is also going to be a public trip. So if anybody wants to hop along for a very inspiring Shabbos and for a couple of days... That information will also be coming. It's going to be a public trip. It's going to take place on... The Ukrainian part is going to be arranged for a group. So that's going to be from about May 8th on Sunday. Shabbos, Parshas, Kedoshim, the following Shabbos for that week. So if you want to block that off on the calendar now, take a look and you'll have the information on myon.com. You'll be able to connect to us and sign up for all of this. It's going to be full of stories, singing, crying, dancing. Everything wonderful and beautiful. And with Hashem's help, we won't even have to make the trip to the Ukraine because all the tzaddikim will be already in Yerushalayim way before that with the Torah over there. And it'll save us all uh, the trip to Ukraine and let's wish that that will happen. Um, Everyone, um, again, thank you. And I I hope uh, as many people will join and hopefully it's going to bring big miracles for everyone that's going to participate and even those who just hear the story. Thank you. Es scheint
0: das mir, dass benommen auch ungefähr im heiligen Deppel mir überge oh, spaziert in Ach, rusche wie die Götter sind zu verstanden, aber zartig im Himmel ist Geiser allein. Wer sie es so geben sie kein Kampf, ich will. Euer Weber, der O jützere Zuresh und schön Helgen in Gebrochen wie Jüge in den Bett du in Mech bist Aschabes in beim Helden Barschem Mit mit Harzen Barschepresch der Haare in Die I wish I a fire the in Himmel, the in I'm go the house, I'm go the